day. So today's summer soundbite is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And this says, my grace is all you need. When I was growing up, I would always hear it this way. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, there's two parts of what's going to happen this morning. I'm going to give you a breakdown. The breakdown is where I'm going to give you context for who's writing this and why it's being written. It's all the journalistic questions. But then we're also going to move into a section called the shakedown. The shakedown is where we perhaps fill in the blanks where maybe we've been led through some misunderstanding to utilize this scripture as a basis for something. It's really... If I were going to draw attention to one focal point on what the shakedown is, it's where we are being lied to by the enemy and directing us and we're then moving out of that place perhaps. And I want to today deal with the breakdown to give context, but we have to dismantle the shakedown. So we're going to bring truth. Amen. Who is writing this letter in 2 Corinthians? There's this guy named Paul. And I just want you to know very quickly, Paul was a guy who was not a follower of Jesus his whole life. In fact, the majority of the first part of his life, he was an expert in Judaic law. He knew all the isms. He was an expert in Judaism. He knew religion. He knew how to follow the rules. In fact, he was the guy that many people would look to when they were getting ready to persecute and kill the early Christians they would look to him. His name was Saul at the time. That was his old, the old guy. I'll say the old man. So there's an old man and a new man, Paul. The old man, Paul, was named Saul. Different name, different identity. But he met Jesus one day on this road to a place called Damascus. He had this radical transformation when he met Jesus. Jesus transformed him in the moment. And then Jesus put him on the pathway of him being transformed the entirety of his life. And while he was walking through this, he began encouraging. He completely did a 180. He, he had a new lifestyle. He wasn't murdering Christians. Now he was going and mentoring Christians. He was mentoring churches. He was seeking to encourage. He wanted to inspire. And he's bringing all this good stuff to churches. And so a lot of the letters that we see in the new part of the Bible, the New Testament, that's the part when Jesus was born for. Forward. A lot of these letters were written by this guy, Paul. So this letter in Corinthians, he's writing to the church of this place called Corinth. And so it's to the Corinthians and it'd be like him writing to America and he's writing to the Americans. Okay. So it's very similar. He's writing to a people group. And this is what was happening that at the time he was spending time going to the different regions where these churches were, and he would send uh, his, his helpers, and he would send people to go and spend time with these churches and encourage them. And while he was encouraging them as what, this is a big Bible word called an apostle, that's just the, a builder, a builder of the church. He was encouraging them as an apostle. These other guys were coming around that, that Paul refers to actually as super apostles, so Paul had influence, but these super apostles had super influence. So you may or may not see people in society today that are super influencers. I want you to know something, that you are an influencer. There's this great leadership guy named John Maxwell. He's written some pretty good books. And he says something, he said, even the most introvert of people will influence over 10,000 people in their lifetime. So if you're a quiet wallflower in this room or joining us online, I want to tell you something, you're an influencer. 
But we live in a time and a space of super influencers. And we could really compare ourselves to super influencers. Paul makes the decision he's not going to get into a comparison game with the super influencers. He's not going to brag the way the super influencers have. He's not going to lean on his own stuff. He's not going to prop himself up. He's not going to try and give himself credit. He's actually going to humble himself. And he says that in doing so, in me fighting to be proud, I, I want God to make me strong in my weaknesses. And he begins talking about this weakness that he has. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this for you. Just before this soundbite that I gave you, this is what Paul says to the church of Corinth. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. He's saying this for two reasons. He wants the, the, the church he's trying to encourage to understand that we need to fight off pride and we need to be humble. But he's also giving a reflection to say these super apostles are very prideful. And they're super influential, but they're not super fluent in the truth. They're presenting something that's potentially true, one aspect of who God is, but they're not presenting specifically, and we talked about this last week a little bit more, they're not presenting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. So Paul says, to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, to keep me from becoming proud. So three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. He goes, God, he's like, God, ah, would you get rid of this thing? Now, it's, it's not conclusive. Really super heady, smart people that have studied the Bible aren't able to all agree on this. And it's kind of an inconclusive landing place. And that is, we don't know if this was a physical ailment that Paul had. Some believe it was maybe something physically or if it was personal. If it was just every time Paul turned around. I mean, this guy was more shipwrecked, more imprisoned, more persecuted than anybody you could ever imagine. And he just kept pressing forward with humility to maintain the work that God had put before him. So this is, without knowing exactly what it was, I will tell you what everyone agrees on is that this thorn in Paul's flesh was actually Satan's ploy to infuriate him, frustrate him, discourage him, disrupt him, to keep him from walking in the purpose that God had created him for. Have you ever felt infuriated, frustrated, discouraged, disrupted? Have you ever felt like something was stopping you that when you wake up in the morning, you wake up and you go, today's gonna be a good day and your feet hits the floor and it's like the world's coming against you. I have those days. I can only promise you one thing. I'm going to be transparent with you every time I stand on this platform. And I have to tell you, I, I had one of those year and a half. Can it still counting? Where it's frustrating and I feel like our world's been disrupted and I get discouraged at times. So as Paul prays three times, he says, this is what God's response to him. My grace 
is all that you need, Pat. My grace is all that you need, Paul. My grace. What is grace, though? Grace is a massive topic. And it would take a whole series, so a series of Sundays for me to teach the fullness. But for today, I want to give this description. It's favor. It's to have someone show you favor. It's Paul saying, he's praying to God and God says, my favor. And this is what favor is. It's a gift or an act that brings pleasure to the recipient while simultaneously at the same time, it produces gratitude appropriate to the grace received. So grace is this gift or act that brings pleasure to you and I that Jesus Christ has bestowed on us while at the same time it gives us appropriate gratitude for what it is that he's given us. And there's so much of what Paul says that he finds that joy, he, he counts the cost of his persecution and suffering as joy toward the purpose that he was called to. This higher good, this original design that God has for him. So he says just after this in verse 10, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness. He's saying, I take joy in this because God gives me this grace, this act, this this gift of pleasure in my salvation in Jesus Christ that simultaneously creates in me and catalyzes me an appropriate response in gratitude. And living my life, this is what Paul's saying, living my life as Paul and no longer as Saul. The other part of this grace is it's the mechanism for enduring. I want you to know this morning as we move into the shakedown, God has given you the grace to endure. You need to hear that this morning, don't you? You need to hear this morning that God has given you the grace in your life to endure everything that you've walked through. Can I say this to you? I'm preaching, but I feel like God wants to speak to you this morning. God has given you the grace to endure the struggles that you've felt, the disruption that you sense, the discouragement that you may wake up and and you're like, God, would you take this from me? But his grace is sufficient for you as a mama, as somebody that he's, he's, he's purposed you. And the enemy doesn't have power over the old stuff. No more than the enemy had power over the Saul that he's empowered you today. To be, there's a Paul in you that there's something he's given you. Amen? I want you to hold tight to that. Sometimes it just goes like that. Okay? So grace produces gratitude and strength for your struggle. Here's the lie. This is probably the scripture that I hear used as the hotbed that births this response. God's grace through the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ dying on the cross has me covered. Like I'm covered, man. I raised my virtual hand one time and I put in the chats, I put the little praying hand emojis and said, yep, Jesus, that maybe you've sat in a room somewhere in the world and somebody said to you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, his grace is sufficient for you and raise your hand and there's something 
not entirely biblical about this action because nowhere in the Bible do I see this happen. Like, raise your hand. The raising of your hand made you saved. That's not it. It's believing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and what? Savior. That's it. But what happens is, is we believe because we've given our life to Jesus that we can now choose to live our life however we please. Because his grace has us covered, man. Living your life, I'm going to just condense that into a word. It's the style in which you live your life or your lifestyle. I want to tell you something. God radically changed my life, but he also radically changed the style of which I lived my life. I am not the person that I used to be. And neither are you. When you give your life to Jesus, he transforms you. But he also... He enters you into a race of transformation. God's been transforming me since the moment I said yes to him. But it meant me not leaning on his grace as a crutch. It means that we can't say yes to Jesus, then lean on, well, he'll just cover that. I'll continue to live in sin. But this is... This is the hotbed that this thought is birthed out of. So I can live in an incongruent life. Give my life to Jesus, but my lifestyle is my own. Does this make sense? So followers of Jesus are commanded to become in practice or an exercise what we are in Christ. So what are we in Christ? We're dead to sin and we're alive in Christ. So we now need to practice and exercise as if we're alive in what? Christ, not alive in our sin. <laughs> Paul writes this, uh, this book in, called Romans. Do you know who he wrote it to? The Romans. Look at that, you passed a test. Okay, he wrote this book and, and it's called Romans and in, in chapter six, verse one, he goes, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Same word. <laughs> no, listen to what he says. He's like, of course not. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> Boom. Then he starts giving us some really good knowledge here. He goes, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Now, let me just give you a description. Living in something is totally different than living with something. Okay? This side of heaven, we are going to live in a world where we are going to deal with the external pressures, the temptations of sin because this world is riddled with sin. So I'm going to deal, you know, I get up every, I'm not a super apostle. I'm not a super pastor. I'm not a super dad. I'm not a super husband. I'm just a dude. And I have dude tendencies. Guys, do you know what I'm talking about? And I get up and I'm like, I don't have what it takes today. I don't have what it takes to lead. I don't have, and then, you know, I, I go to get gas and I was just like, I'm being assaulted by every magazine cover there is. Like, why, why is this happening? I'm like, why? Because I'm living with, there's temptation all around, but I don't have to live. 
You can be tempted by pornography and not live in it. Nowhere does it say that this walk is going to be easy, family. You're going to be tempted with, for me in my life, picking up that drink and having another drink of that alcohol that was destroying my family and destroying who God actually created. I would not be here today if I kept living in the sin of the addiction of this alcohol. <laughs> Paul's like, you, how can we continue to live in this if we've died to that through Jesus Christ? Now listen to what he says. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Praise God to everyone who got baptized two weeks ago. High five again. Bam. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live what? What lives? Oh, we can live Paul lives. We no longer have to live Saul lives. This is important. This is so important. Now let me redefine. I'm going to give you a little bit of a like. I'm going to turn a little bit, one degree, and I'm going to give you a different view of this word grace, okay? It's God's merciful kindness influencing you to turn to Christ, increasing your faith, knowledge, affection, and catalyzes you to exercise follower of Jesus principles. You are not who you used to be when you say yes to Jesus. Some of those desires might be there. But you are not who you used to be. And you have been given the grace to endure those things, to come back and say, God, this thing, it like, I get up in the morning, it's like knocking on my door. (laughs) Smoke me. (laughs) Cut me up in little lines and snort me. Sleep with her. Love is love. Just find love. Even if it's hurting you. You are not who you used to be. Let me say that again. You are not who you used to be. New life. New lifestyle. Jesus' grace transforms you into a new creation the moment you give your life to him. It's called metamorphosis. It's my, 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 my wife Chandra bought this plant called milkweed. Does anyone know what milkweed is? It's not weed. I'm just going to, hey, you're not going to buy it at your local 420 shop. Just want to be clear. Listen. And it doesn't produce milk. 
very confusing, this milkweed. But I guess butterflies love it. So she puts a ton of it in my backyard. And we wait. And all of a sudden, you see a butterfly and another one and another one. And they like this weed of milk. And they begin lying eggs all over it. And these eggs turn into these worms. And as the worms grow, they grow because they eat the weed of milk. And they get really fat. And then they attach themselves to things. And this worm creates this thing called a chrysalis. By the way, if you've never seen before these monarch butterflies, they're very beautiful, these little cocoons. This cocoon, this place where transformation has taken place and what breaks out of this cocoon is a butterfly transformed and changed. You know, it can't go back to being a worm. This is your life. The Jesus Christ in his death and his resurrection, see in the tomb there was transformation taking place that allows you to step into his grace that you no longer can go back to being the old person. This is what Paul is saying because you're now a butterfly and you can't go back to being a worm. You were created to fly and do it beautifully and to flutter around and enjoy God's creation, not to crawl in a lowly place on the ground and eat the milk weed. Is this making sense? First Peter 2.24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You're a new creation because of God's grace and now you get to walk in that. I love Isaiah 61.10. This was written thousands of years before Jesus was born, but he's talking about Jesus. He's speaking into the future about Jesus. And this is what he says. Guy Isaiah says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. This word Lord is the same word that's used as Jesus' name in the New Testament. So he's speaking futuristic. I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God for what Jesus is going to do. For who? He, he, he doesn't even realize what, he, what he's saying. Have you ever said something and you don't realize what you're saying? <clears throat> um, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God's dressed you? He's dressed me with what? A new wardrobe, clothing of salvation, but not just that. He goes further. He says, and he's draped me in a robe of righteousness, and I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding and a bride with her jewels. So whether you're a guy or girl, this has got you covered. You're either the bride dressed, robed in salvation and righteousness. Whose righteousness? Is it your own righteousness? Let me define righteousness for you. It's right thinking that has you in right standing, and that's in relationship to Jesus, which leads to right living. Now, it's not, right living isn't according to what I think is right. It's according to what God and Jesus died for me to live in a new creation as. This is what you and I, it's not our own righteousness. It's not the righteousness of self. It's, that I'm living my life in a way that I'm saying, Jesus, you are lover. You love me. Jesus, can I tell you this morning, Jesus loves you. But he's not just lover, he's also Lord. Jesus Christ is your Lord and 
Savior. And too much of the time what we do is we say, thank you for your grace, you love me. You can be lover, but God, you can't be Lord. And we end up dabbling and, and messing around in pools that we shouldn't be in. So I, I, if, if you've been here any period of time, you know that I like doing this excruciating thing called triathlon. So when I train as a triathlete, I'm doing these really, really long, hard efforts. And so I go train at a pool in Bressy Ranch called Alga Norte. Anyone familiar with this pool? They, great facility. They have two pools when you walk in. Okay. One pool is a pool that's kept really, really warm and all of the women are there doing their aqua size. You know, you see the, like the whole group and they're like, okay, Betty. And then they're all there. And the, okay, do you know who I'm talking about? Right? Aqua aerobics. And there's a few people swimming laps and it's cool. You get in that pool, it's warm, it's nice. Okay. But then they have a competition pool that's a little bit cooler and it's not quite as hot. And it's, it's probably more conducive for you to do your exercise and to practice the thing you need to practice in because you won't overheat and you don't, you're not going to burn out. What I'm telling you is you have two pools that you can choose to dabble and jump into. You can jump into the pool of sin that's going to probably produce too much heat, make you sick, and you're not going to like the result. Or you can jump into the pool that was built for you to practice in called the pool of grace. And you have an opportunity. Grace is the place that you're invited. You and I are invited into. Not to tell God how we should approach him and live our life according to him, but this place where he says, this is where we walk through this. This is where we get to experience relationship and we get to walk through you being transformed. I'm 48 years old, man. I'm still being transformed. Can I encourage you this morning? It is okay if you're still being transformed. But I gotta tell you that you're not who you used to be and you don't have to be buried under the weight of swimming in the pool and living in this pool of sin that is gonna burn you out. It's gonna make you nauseous. It's gonna make you throw up. It is, it is comfortable at first, but any sort of physical exertion, you quickly realize this is not where I wanna be. And that's... That is what happens when we swim in our old man clothes in that old pool that looks inviting, but it's not. God's grace is enough for you to walk and to live as a new creation. Why don't you stand? I'm just going to wrap up right here. Paul goes on to write further in Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. He says, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. So who is it that's our righteousness. Who is it that's bestowing this grace? It's through who? Through our own efforts, through our own exercise, what we do. Like we're, it's, it's actually through Jesus Christ. We need, to, we need to live according to what Jesus Christ has done for us. We need to live this new creation life and a new creation lifestyle. So he says, don't let your sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. 
For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. It's this idea that what we want to do is we want to dabble with, like, we want to dabble with God. We, because have you ever, have you ever approached a pool that you weren't sure of? And you're like, whoa, I'm going to, whoa, it's kind of cold in that pool. What do you do? You just like, you do that toe sweep. Does anyone know the toe sweep in a pool? You know, you, just, like, you kick your shoe off, you're like, whoop, and then you're just like, you're talking to your friends. You're like, uh-huh, 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 woo that's kind of cold in there. I don't know if I want to jump in that pool. And this is what we do with our lives with Christ. He's justified you being there and giving you an invitation to jump in the pool. And we want to walk around and like, well, he's a test. Oh, she's going to test that pool. I don't know. (laughs) We test the pool of sin. We're like, oh, it's kind of warm. I'd rather get in that pool. It's a trick. I'm telling you, it's a trick. I tried it. I tried doing my workout in that pool that was too warm. I was throwing up. It left me in not a good place. He's saying, give your life completely. I like this idea, completely. It's the kid who walks in and sees the pools and he goes, I want the one with the diving board and the giant inflatable bounce house floating in it. Okay, now where I swim, that's the competition pool that I train in. Have you ever seen a kid who's just like cannonball. They just run, like they're disrobing as they run and they're just like, they yell cannonball, but they do a belly flop. Like God's totally good with how you get in the pool, fam. He just wants you to jump this morning. You know, his grace is sufficient for you. He's giving you the ability. Let's close our eyes. I'm gonna pray right now over you. God, you've given us the ability to endure. You've given us the ability to exercise this, to walk this out, to give our lives to you, to say yes to you. You're lover of my life, but you're also Lord of my life. But God, you don't demand perfection. It's not in our own righteousness. You just want us to commit to jumping. You just want us, you want us to yell cannonball and be committed to the belly flop. You want us to be willing to just go for it. To not like tickle our toes and check the temperature of of our salvation. Here's my question for you this morning. Ask God to show you if Jesus is the Lord of your life and your lifestyle. Have you said yes to Jesus as Savior? And he said, yes to Jesus is Lord. And can I tell you, it's not easy. I want to tell you, this has not been easy in my life. It's not easy when I get up and I have that day or that week. Have you ever had that week? <laughs> okay, it's not easy all the time. But here's what I love. God's act of kindness that leads to gratitude as an appropriate response is sufficient. It's enduring. It's what gives you the ability to get up and do it again. So I'm just gonna keep jumping, God. This morning, we're just gonna keep jumping. I'm gonna keep yelling cannonball and I'm totally willing to belly flop, Lord, as many times as I need to. 
because you've given me the ability to endure with your grace. But I want to jump in your pool of grace here this morning. I want to jump in. God's inviting you this morning to jump into his grace. It's there for you. He's given you admission. He's justified you being there. He's justified you being able to jump in. What are you going to do? Ask him. What part of my life or have I made you Jesus Lord of my life and my lifestyle? And then I want to activate you. You can do anything how many times, family? (laughs) Come on. Can I tell you something? You were made to do hard things. Look at me. Open your eyes. If you're on on our online campus, open your eyes. (laughs) Tell me your eyes are open right now in the chat. Okay. I want you to know something feeling discouraged you're struggling disrupted, defeated this message has got your heart and your mind turned all kinds of upside down okay this is challenging you I want, I want you to know something you were made to do hard things come on I want you to say it right now say it, I was made to do hard things say it again, I was made to do hard things I want you to turn to somebody. I want you to tell them you were made to do hard things. Tell them you were made. Okay? So if you're made to do hard things, doing something once is super what? Easy. (laughs) So you can do anything what? Because you were made to do what? Come on. All right? So this is what I want you to do this week. Choose one area of your life that Jesus is not Lord of right now. And I want you to say, Jesus, I give you my life, but I'm making you Lord this right now. So decide right now. Just say, just, you just think about that thing and you just imagine yourself. Just say, Jesus, I've, I'm giving you my life, but I'm also making you Lord of this thing right now. Here, you can have this. If you're questioning, if you have in your head, as a follower of Jesus, should I be doing X? The question of it in and of itself probably is the Holy Spirit leading you and urging you to not do that thing. (laughs) I tell my kids, if you have to question it, don't do it. I wonder if that snake's poison. Why test it? Right? Don't mess with that pool. (laughs) Okay? Choose one thing, because you can do anything what? And you were made to do what? Come on, family. I love you guys. I'm here to challenge you as I'm being challenged in my faith, and I know you are. We were made to do hard things. It's not easy, but we are new creations. We have new realities. We have new mindsets, and we were created to do hard things, and we can do anything. Amen and amen. We'll see you.